What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Man I Want to Be podcast. My name is Keaton, and I am your host, and it has been a while since I plugged in the microphone to talk to you guys about being the man that you want to be. I think it's been a little over six weeks or so since I last recorded an episode. Some things have transpired since then. I had a son. Maybe I I think I recorded an episode or two while I had a son, but then it was like, I've got a newborn. We've got a lot going on. And then some things are happening in my life spiritually that have been beautiful and good and crushing. And I I decided I'm just going to unplug for a little bit. So I unplugged from everything, from social media, from recording these podcasts. I unplugged from the news. I couldn't tell you what's happening in the world today. I haven't looked at a news headline of any kind in at least six weeks. Nothing. I have no idea what's going on. And that has been unbelievable. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, not knowing what's happening in the world. I do. I've done episodes. I think it is good that we know what is happening in our world and we take right action and we say the things we need to say and we speak truth and and bring lights to the world. But sometimes because the world is so dark, we just need to unplug for a little bit and remind ourselves whose we are, where our home is and and then we can get back to fighting the good fight of the faith. And and I will eventually, but I am remaining unplugged. I don't know the next time I'll record an episode after this. I was just feeling like I wanted to record one today. Um, and I'll, But I'll probably remain unplugged for a little bit as is needed because of where my life is right now. My life is in this beautifully good place. This has been, as you guys know, I moved to Boston, Massachusetts. Well, just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, let me see, about eight months ago, I think is where we're at, eight, nine months. It feels longer than that, and it has been one of the most spiritually crushing times of my life. Is the only way I know how to describe it, spiritually crushing, but in the best way possible. Pops would call it a desert season. Mom, I bet Mama would call it a desert season also. I think that's the language she would use. We talked recently, me and my mom, about the spiritual crushing and the things that you learn and when God takes you to places that where things are unfamiliar and unknown. And so we had a great conversation about that. And I've been thinking about what has happened in my life since we moved here and how difficult it's been, but how good it's been. It's good to be spiritually crushed frequently. It's good to get to a place of desperation where your life is not that comfortable and ours is far from comfortable where you're in the unknown and all you have is God. Those are really, really good places. Now, obviously I have more than just God. He has given me a beautiful family in my immediate family, in my extended family, and I have all those wonderful things, but it's still been a very testing, crushing season. And I've never felt, that's not true. I was going to say I've never felt closer to God. And I was like, well, that's that's not actually true. I have, I have felt closer to God and and as close to God as I am now at other times, at least in the last six weeks, when I unplugged and decided, like, I'm going to focus here. I'm going to renew my mind and get close to God. But um, And part of that was pausing the podcast. There have been so many good things, and I'm eager for what is to come out of this desert season. You'll remember my good friend Ethan did a desert season's podcast that was one of our most listened to because it's a familiar feeling to a lot of men where you're wandering around wondering what's going on and I think a lot of it is we're trying to make a name for ourselves 
and it's not working out. It's not working out. And I think this, this might be a common feeling to all men because I've read about it in several places. I've also wrestled it with myself. My life has been a struggle for ambi- with ambition and a desire for great things and to be well-known and famous and wealthy and powerful, all those things. It was really true in my younger years. I wanted to be rich, powerful, and wealthy. Rich, powerful, and wealthy. Two of those are the same. Famous, wealthy. I wanted to be well-known and powerful. Even in my later years, you know, I've uh, wanted to build a Tower of Babel to my own life where I seek great things for myself, slap God's name on it, and say, hey, look at look at this. I'm doing these great things for God, but really what I'm doing is building a Tower of Babel to the heavens. And I think that's so interesting about that story in Genesis is it says, let's build a tower to the heavens that we may make a great name for ourselves." Well, heaven is where God is. And a lot of us build our lives under the delusions of grandeur. We slap God's name on it, but we're just building great things for ourselves in the name of God, quote, in the name of God, slapping his name on it. And if you want to make sure God interrupts your plans, if he comes down and disrupts what's going on in your life, if he wants to, if you want him to disrupt the babble that you're building, build great things for yourself and slap his name on it. He'll come and frustrate your plans. And I feel like some of that has happened uh, in my life over and over again. And actually recently I've been thinking, I was like, I wonder if I've been doing that again. If I have been desiring fame and wealth and, and wealth is a funny one for me because we're not wealthy by any means. We're not poor, but we're not wealthy. Um, and desi- just desiring to be well-known and well-respected and seen and applauded by men for doing good things for God. And I've been thinking about that a lot. And so part of my unplugging is is making sure that I am d- pursuing the right kind of man that I want to be, the, the that I'm pursuing God rightly. And I've actually came across this quote which is one of the reasons I wanted to record today. It's in a book called The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. This book was written in like 1300 AD or something, uh, probably closer to 1400 AD. And now I'm looking at the back. Um, it's a spiritual classic, highly recommended. I've read parts of it at times and I'm just going through it slowly. And it is all about how to imitate Jesus and be a good man. And he here's this quote, and this is what got me thinking today. Because he's talking about humility. And he says, True greatness can only be reckoned in terms of charity. When you hear charity, think Christian love. Not love as in I love tacos or I love my wife. That's not what it means. Charity is goodwill towards men. That's the Christian definition of love. That's why they use the word charity, goodwill towards men. Since the English word love has been diluted. True greatness can only be reckoned in terms of charity. The really great man is one who doesn't think much of himself and doesn't think much of rank or precedence either. The only clear-sighted man is one who treats all earthly achievements as dirt because he wants to win Christ. The only educated man is one who has learned to abandon his own will and to do God's will instead. And there were these parts of this quote, that's the the end of the quote, that just hit me at different spots as I thought about it throughout the day. True greatness can only be reckoned in terms of charity was one of them true greatness in the kingdom of God and on earth as it is in heaven is given to those who love well. I'm about to do an intern talk tomorrow at our church. We have some new interns coming in and they wanted to hear about 
um, spiritual disciplines and spiritual rhythms for growth and development and everything. And the thing I'm talking about tomorrow is I am asking, what's the end goal of Christianity? What's like, if you were to sum up, what is Christianity in one sentence, one or two sentences, what would it be? And I think it comes down to the two greatest commandments that you shall love the Lord, your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that the other, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's what you're going to do in heaven. You're going to love God with everything. And there's going to be a lot of people in heaven, billions of them. And you're going to have to love, you can't not love people in heaven. It just won't happen. And so on earth, you get to practice loving God with everything that you have and loving your neighbor as yourself. And it is in the process of learning to love those who seem unlovable because in one way or another, all of us are unlovable. And what we wish people would do is change and alter and become different than they are so that we can love them better. You change so I can love you. Uh, that's called religious condemnation. It's, uh, and Jesus warned against that in Matthew 7. But true greatness is learning how to love people who seem unlovable willing their good. And I was like, wow, am I, am I really, when in my search for greatness, am I trying to make sure people see how good I am? Or am I trying to just love the people closest to me as best I can? And then the next sentence, the really great man is one who doesn't think much of himself and doesn't think much of rank or precedence either. If you knew how often I thought of myself, and how often I thought of what kind of, um, how well known am I? You would be, uh, it would be embarrassing. I'm in, even admitting it now publicly. I think of myself very highly. I think too highly of myself in a lot of ways. Um, that's being puffed up with pride. I love Mary's prayer in, in Luke's gospel. You scatter the proud and the thoughts of their heart. If, if you've ever had an argument with someone in your mind and you just stay there on repeat for hours and hours and hours and hours, good chances it's coming from some root in pride. It could also be coming from pain and pride that loves to attach to pain, but that's a whole different conversation. Most of the time it's because I just think too highly of myself. I do. I think too highly of myself and I think I want to be great. But this guy says, don't think too much of rank or precedence either. I love that passage in, Paul writes about this in in Philippians chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count other people's lives as more significant than your own. And he says, have this mind about you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But instead, he emptied himself and made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, and he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. True humility feels like crucifixion. Not thinking highly of yourself feels like a lot of death to yourself. No, but you can entrust that God will raise you up at some time and it won't look probably like the American up and to the right. It will just be a different kind of exaltation. The only clear-sighted, here's back to the quote, the only clear-sighted man is one who treats all earthly achievements as dirt because he wants to win Christ. The only educated man is the one who has learned to abandon his own will and to do God's will instead. So that first one, all achievements is dirt. You're like, what? Isn't it good to achieve something? Isn't it good to have success? <laughs> um, and we could get semantic on that. 
But again, in Philippians 3, Paul wrote, he lists off everything he'd had success in, and then he discovered he found Christ, or Christ found him. And he said, I count it all as rubbish. And if you <laughs> if you want to get into the Greek word, it is a different word than rubbish. It's a cuss word, actually. In, but he says, I count it all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And then he says, I'm straining forward to what lies ahead because the, everything is there. Everything is there with Christ. Uh, it's Philippians 3. Highly recommend the passage. And then learning to abandon your own will to do God's will instead. And what's God's will? I've been talking to a few people about this. Like, how do you figure out what's God's will for your life? Because you and I, our will is probably up and to the right. It's probably success. It's probably well known, being well-known, having good income, being very comfortable in our lives. That's probably what our will is. And then you'd say, so what is God's will for my life? Is it the opposite of that? No. No, I don't think so. God has made his will very clear through the words of Jesus. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your mind, heart, and strength. With all of you, you should love the Lord your God, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you can do those two things, you're, you're within God's will, and everything else will be taken care of. And that is true greatness. It is not in all the other things that we pursue. They're noble. They're good. Um, but we must come to learn as men how to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves, And this is why we follow Jesus because Jesus is the perfect example of pure devotion and love for God and, and perfect love for his neighbor. He knew how to worship God in spirit and truth. He also knew how to love his neighbor without lying to him because you can't lie to your neighbor and love them. You can't lie to someone and love them at the same time. You can't... Um, we have traded love for tolerance as if the best thing that we can imagine for ourselves is being tolerated and so we just tolerate others we don't actually will their good but it's time as men for us to seek something greater and probably different than what we're used to it's time for men to put on the greatness that comes from loving God walking in the truth walking in his commandments, and learning to love our neighbor as ourself. It is popular right now to, for, in, in just YouTube world, Instagram clip world, you hear preachers, teachers, people who are trying to get clicks. They will say that in order to love others as you love yourself, you must love yourself. And I, I think I understand what they're trying to say, but it does say that in the last days when people, when the love of many grows cold, that people will be lovers of self. They'll, they'll love themselves more. And I think what it means to love yourself, to love others as you love yourself, doesn't mean you learn how to love everything about you first. I think it means you extend the mercy that you wish others would extend to you. You extend it to them. I think that's what that means. I hope no one is filled with self-hatred. I hope people don't despise and wish they were better. I don't that. But I also don't think you're going to affirm yourself out of that. I think you can only be loved out of that by other people and by God himself. But you can do unto others as you wish they would do to you. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Extend, I think, loving others as you love yourself is extending to them the grace and the mercy that you wish others would extend to you.
and you'll reap a reward. Remember, this life is temporary. This doesn't last forever. I can't. I more than ever, I can't wait for heaven. I can't wait to, for the reunion of heaven. But I'm what I'm. All of that to say is, I think it's time for us men to learn about true greatness. The world needs truly great men, and it's not going to come from up and to the right. It's not going to come from whatever is currently popular. It's going to come from what has lasted from the beginning, what has been true from the beginning. Up and to the right is new. It's relatively, I was just talking to the guy about it at lunch today. It's new. It's new. We can give ourselves to the humble tasks of loving our family, raising our kids, doing our job well without seeking to be famous and well-known. And maybe that's not your struggle at all. Maybe that's just my struggle. Um, Tim Keller recently died and he, he's the one who got me thinking on this. He said he, his last video to his church was from Jeremiah. Do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. Um, and that was a great man, but he didn't seek good things for himself. It's time that we learn to love God and to love our neighbor because that's where we become truly great. And so whatever you need to do at this time in your life, to learn to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself, I would do it. I'd put everything else on hold and focus there. Learn to do those things because the peace of Christ will be with you and you will find yourself as a stronger, more joyful man of God than you could have ever imagined. And that's what the world needs at this present moment. I assume because I'm not on the news, but that's what the world needs at this present moment. It's what it's needed forever. Uh, there's a Christian philosopher who says, actually, it's you need saints. The best thing you can do for the world is become a saint. And saints love God and love people. So be a saint. I've added that to my vision of the man I want to be because I want to be a man of war. I want to be a man of good presence. I want to be a man of valor. I want the Lord to always be with me. I've added another one. I want to be a good father, but I also I want to be a saint. I want to be a saint. And that's all I have for you today. I will talk to you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Man I Want to Be podcast. My name is Keaton Tucker. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend if you did not like this episode. Well, just pretend you didn't listen to it because that helps us out. Also, uh, may you have a blessed day. And until next time, this is the Man I Want to Be podcast.